eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. It's a Sunday morning this time around. Joined by Kevin Flaherty. Got a lot to break down. Kansas State defeated Kansas 31 to 27 on Saturday night in what was a really exciting competitive game. Obviously the end does not go Kansas way, but we're going to break it all down, Kevin. I think there's a lot to talk about because it was a jam packed, really interesting three and a half hour football game. We saw, were you in the stands? Did you could take in the, the final game at this edition of David Booth, Kansas mm-hmm. Memorial stadium. where did you watch the game? No. Kevin? I actually, I, I was, uh, I was working and, and covering the can. I mean, I was watching the Kansas game and everything on one of my TVs downstairs and, and had the, uh, the Texas Iowa state game up on, on the other TV down here. And so don't have a, have a bad setup down here, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting from what we could see on the broadcast and everything. It looked like a heck of a crowd. Best crowd of the year. Um, got there early. Students stayed throughout the whole game. You know, I think if you're going to lay out like, hey, this is what the crowd needs to look like when the stadium is full again, you know, in 2025, like this is it. You know, the fans made a lot of noise. Um, And, yeah, I think just for me, the student section, right, you look at all these schools nowadays and this isn't a KU problem. This is a college football problem, right, where the students show up for the first half of the game and then halftime they kind of leave and they go do their own thing, you know. And I thought it was really encouraging that the students stayed through the whole game, made a lot of noise. And even, you know, at the very end when it looked like, you know, KU was not going to win the game, it wasn't like it was a mass exodus. You know, I I thought that was really impressive and yeah, best crowd of the year. So huge credit to the fans that went huge credit to the students. Um, They helped make a really, really cool, awesome game day atmosphere where it felt like a big game. And I think that's kind of all you can ask for. Um, Yeah. Especially in modern day college football. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, it, attendance in general is something that so many schools are, are having trouble with now. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's so easy to sit at home, to eat the food that you want, to have a comfortable chair that you're sitting in, 
and, and have, you know, the great views and, and all of those things. And so you really, you need to give fans a reason to come out. And, mm. you know, obviously Kansas being more successful helps in that. I think the new stadium and the renovations are going to help with that. It sounds like it's going to be a more comfortable seat, a better atmosphere and things like that. Um, what do you think of the senior night? festivities because this is a this is a good senior class and a class that i think we'll look back on over the next several years is really helping sort of lay that that foundation if you will for for kansas to be a successful program yeah i thought it was really cool man um you look at the sideline pregame and obviously a lot of the former players have their their letter jackets right and there's a moment where i think the final part of warm-ups is wrapping up and the team's coming off the field and I look down and all of a sudden there's just like a, a huge group of players or former players, like greeting all the current players that they come off the field. I had not seen anything like that this season. I don't remember anything like that last season. I thought it was a really cool touch. And it was those former players that ended up making kind of like a guard of honor for those seniors. Um, Post game probably wasn't the best time to ask about it. So I'll ask about it Monday, but I thought that was a really, really cool touch where it's kind of like a, Hey, you know, you've got former players there to support you. And um, I thought it was really cool. You know, it's a really, I think you're right, Kevin. It's a really impactful senior class. I think you look at, you know, someone like Kenny Logan, right. Staying the course throughout this time and having, I think one of his better games of the season against K state on Saturday, you know, he's had a really good year. I think maybe his best year, the stats are one thing, right? But I think level of play, I think it's been his best year at Kansas where, agree. you know, he's not gotten 120 tackles, but that's a probably a good thing that your safety is not getting 120 tackles. So he was really good. Someone like Mason Fairchild, right? Being an in-state guy, picking Kansas when it was not a sexy time to pick Kansas and to um, have such a consistent impact and continue to improve where, man, you look at what he was like, two years ago in Lance's first year and how bad he was blocking. And you look yeah. at him on Saturday and he's playing all but three snaps in the game, you know? So yeah, I think you're right, Kevin, this is a really impactful senior class and, you know, I'm happy for them that they got the game day atmosphere, the game, obviously not the result that they would have wanted, but I think just the atmosphere, it's all you could have asked for, for a senior day as a whole. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, a, a lot of those guys really, you know, played well yesterday. Even, you know, some of the guys who wound up joining up later via transfer, but this is their last year, wound up having good games and everything. And I think as we get into the game itself, I think that's where the frustration part lies, right? Because I think that people, if you look at it and you just you played really poorly and you just didn't have a chance – I think that's one thing, but Kansas had so many things go well. The game plan was terrific, I thought, and I'm sure we'll get into that. You know, the the way that they ran offense with a third-string quarterback, I thought was outstanding. The defense was excellent for, for most of the game. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. Do you ever look at, like, stats of wars, deal where he says, mm -hmm. how badly did whatever team get beat, his little graphic? Oh, yeah, I week? love that thing. I love that thing I'm, every Monday, yeah. I'm really interested because I think that Kansas and Kansas State is going to be one of those where Kansas is actually going to be on top of the team that, that beat them. And, and when you look at, you know, sort of laying out the facts of the game as they were, Kansas outgains Kansas State 
by 1.5 yards per play. But, you know, we always talk about starting off well. K-State has that 75-yard drive on five plays right off the bat. KU goes three and out. Outside of those two drives, the first drive for each team, K-State had 256 yards and had 4.57 yards per play. Wow. KU, outside of that drive, had 387 yards at 7.16 yards per play. So about 2.5 yards per play or so, you know, more than, than K-State. And so when you when you look at that and you look at Kansas being sort of consistently, but I always used to say, and I, I realize I'm droning on a little bit, that Bill Snyder has to lead every coach in college football history in wins where the other team left the field saying, well, we were better than they were, but, <laughs> and, you know, and I really feel like Saturday was kind of a continuation of, of Bill Snyder's legacy under Chris Kleiman in, in that, because let's, let's be clear. Let's put this out there. You know, this may get cut up by some angry K-State fan or something like that. Kansas was better than Kansas state on Saturday night. The Jayhawks were were felled by a couple of mistakes that didn't have anything to do with Kansas State that were that were Jayhawk mistakes, and that's not saying that K State, you know, isn't a good team or or whatever else. But I really felt like last night the two teams that matched up, Kansas was the better team, but had those you know few just mistakes that absolutely wound up mm-hmm. changing that game and, and creating the loss. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Kevin, how many times for folks to listen to Bill Self's post-game press conferences, right? How many times you heard him come in there and say, hey, over the course of a season, right, you're going to kind of have your, your, your five games where you play to an A and you just smoke the team. It doesn't matter who you played. You're going to beat them. You're going to beat them by a lot. They're going to be kind of your, your your 10 games that you're like at a B-plus level. You know, you, you end up getting through. You play pretty well. You have your 10 games where, okay, wasn't great. And then you got kind of your other five games where you play, you get outplayed and you somehow find a way to win. And that is what championship teams do. Right. And there's no doubt about it. Right. Kansas state is a championship team. They won the big 12 last year. They could play in Arlington this year. If things um, break their way in the final week of the season. And I think you saw that winning is a habit. And Lance Leipold has talked about this finding ways to win and learning ways to close out games. We'll get into the moments. We'll talk about the decisions, but (laughs) broadly, this is a team and a program that is still learning how to get over the finish line in games. Because Kevin, there's a realistic possibility here that Kansas is 10 and one. Yeah. Right. Look at the game without much imagination. It's not that hard without without really stretching things. Yeah. It's not like we're, we're sitting here and we're taking away five plays a game or, or whatever. No, I mean, the Oklahoma State game was was a game that Kansas led, you know, what, 32-24, I think, in the third quarter and shut out, shut out, shut off the scoring. Like, KU didn't score again. They lost 39-32 to and didn't play well down the stretch. The Texas Tech game was a game that you're going to have a lot of what-ifs about, you know, based on the injuries that happened and everything else. And then we we get to Saturday's game, which I think again is another one that's really easy to sit back in. and I don't even want to say Monday morning quarterback because I feel like that talks more about like decision making and things like that. I don't know that Kansas made a lot of poor decisions per se. I do think that there were 
a few moments where, you know, Kansas either needed to make a play or not make a bad play, and those didn't go the Jayhawks' way. Exactly. All right. Let's dive into it then, Kevin. And I want to start sure. with Jason Bean. Um, so, post-game Lance Leipold said Jason Bean was available to play. If you go back through the week, right, KU practiced on Sunday, Cole Ballard took the reps. KU had Monday off, they practiced Tuesday. Cole Ballard took the reps. Jason Bean was back at practice on Wednesday. Andy Kodernicki came out and said he took a lot of reps. Lance Leipold said he took some reps. I'm going to go with what Lance Leipold said. He took some <laughs> reps, which means Cole Ballard got a lot of reps, right, with the ones. Sure. So now you're talking about the two biggest practice days for most teams in most weeks, right? Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Cole Ballard got more than half the snaps, if not three quarters, I'm guessing here, but, you know, based on just what the coaches have said. So we've learned, Kevin, this season that the coaches are going to play the player that got the most reps in practice that is prepared to play. It's been that simple all all season, and they've not wavered from it, and this is not a, a spot decision. You look at the opener. Jason Bean took most of the reps with the ones and Jalen Daniels was available to play, but didn't play. You go throughout the course of the season and it's been like that, right? Even when Jalen was, you know, practicing more, Jason was the guy that was repping with the ones doing the game plan, getting ready to play. So it's just interesting, right? I, I, I'm not surprised that Cole Bauer was a starter, you know, as soon as they said on, you know, Wednesday that Leipold on Hawk talk after the Wednesday practice said, Oh, he took some reps, but he was available. You know, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, they're, they're going to roll with the guy that got the reps that's sharp because, as we've seen, Kevin, against Texas, you put the quarterback out there that didn't get a lot of reps during the week, it can look pretty freaking ugly. So, well, and I know, think, too, there's, I think, too, there's no one understanding your personnel, right? And, and I think there are some quarterbacks out there who can go a week without practice and roll out of bed and, and play really well. You know, Todd mm-hmm. Reesing, the week of the Missouri game in 08, you know, was really banged up from the Nebraska game. You know, my understanding is he didn't, you know, didn't really practice much. He goes out and he leads Kansas to a win over Missouri. But, and it's not an insult to Jason Bean to say that. It's just everybody's different, right? Some guys, they don't need that prep time. And other guys, you know, those reps mean a lot to them in terms of preparation, in terms of, you know, just the mental reps, the body reps, all the different things that that go into that. And I have to think that, you know, this staff with how much time they spend around their players, they know, they know that, Hey, Jason Bean got some reps this week, but he's not ready. He's not where he needs to be in order for us, not just to send him out to play, but send him out to play against Kansas state, which is a pretty good defensive team, a really physical team, um, and so I, I think there are a lot of different things at play there, but I do think that, you know, I, I saw a lot of comments online and I'm sure you did too, you know, after he said that Bean was available, a lot of people online were kind of like, well, why didn't Bean play then? Um, there's a difference between being available and being ready. And I think that the staff probably erred on the side of caution maybe a little bit, but at the same time, I get the feeling they had a pretty good idea if Jason Bean was ready or not. Exactly. Exactly. And look, Kevin, the game plan that KU rolled out with was like chef's kiss, like, oh, you yeah. know, you got yeah. weird things going on. Um, I noticed pretty early on, and 
I think probably K State caught on to this trend that every single time K went into this game plan with personnel groupings that they had, where they said, when these guys are on the field, this is what we're going to do. And when Tory Lachlan, when Trevor Wilson, and when Douglas Amelia went on the field, Tory Lachlan was the quarterback, either Hyshaw or Neal was the running back. And then they had someone like a million who's one of the best blockers that KU has a wide receiver. And then they've got Wilson, who I think is a decent blocker as well. And they really tried to attack the edges. And this game was so interesting because I think the two run games for both teams were inversed, right? KU could not run up the middle worth a lick. Nothing. All game. But when they tried to get to the edges and force K-State's young linebackers to try and get to the edge, cover, make tackles, fit the gaps correctly, they struggled. And that's where you saw a lot of the, the better runs coming from, whether it be with the option plays, whether it just be with the stretch runs. And for KU, they just couldn't do anything up the middle. For K-State, we could talk about their the defensive performance later. But, you know, KU did a great job of controlling the edge, where up the middle was where K-State had success. So for KU offensively, like this was the, the picture-perfect game plan. And it worked in the first half. Right. They struggled the first drive. But after that, I think they got into a rhythm. They got Cole Ballard in positions where it's third and short. And I thought Ballard, when he was called upon, looked good. I thought he made some really, really good throws and some gutsy plays. And I think this was just a coaching masterclass for the first kind of two and a half quarters of, hey, this is how you approach a game plan with your third string quarterback who is starting his first college game. Right. You take it all into account. You're like, yeah, that was a good game plan. Well, I, I, it was funny because I saw, you know, Treyas tweet out last night that Cole Ballard didn't lose them the game. And, and obviously Cole Ballard did not lose them the game. One of the things that, that I kind of said in response was if Kansas would have had Jalen Daniels or Jason being healthy, I think one of the biggest issues that Kansas State would have had with Kansas is I don't think Kansas State's defensive backs could hang with KU's wide receivers. And I think that if you had Jason Bean or, you know, Jalen Daniels out there, you would feel good about going out and throwing the ball 40, 35, 40 times and, you know, getting your yardage that way. I, I think Kansas State would have really had a lot of trouble with that. I'm not saying that KU should have done that with with Cole Ballard because I, I think that while KU's wide receivers had that advantage, you know, you're asking Ballard to do – too much at that point. I think the winning formula for Ballard was pretty much what they did. You know, it was having him throw 15 times, 20 on the high end. I know he wound up with 16 attempts, but, you know, 15 to 20 times or so, have the running game there, make him comfortable, put him into good situations and things like that, and and not ask him to do too much. And I thought that when he struggled, it was when he was asked to do too much. And, And so for having your third string quarterback for not being able to tap into sort of the advantage they had on, you know, against Kansas state's back end. I I really do think that, that the game plan was, was pretty outstanding. I agree. And I think the biggest adjustment that you saw first half to second half with K state's defense is man, Cole Ballard's hung in there during some of the blitzes. And that's what K-State is, right? They blitz a lot. They try and create pressure on the opposing quarterback, right? If you watch them play Texas, if you watch them play any game this season, they are really trying to generate pressure. They have no issue blitzing. And it's one of the reasons why they've gotten torched in some games through the air, 
because they blitz a lot. They ask their corners and defensive backs to try and, you know, guard one-on-one or cover one-on-one, and they really aren't able to do it, and there's some busts. And that's what happened, right? K-State was blitzing Cole Ballard early, and he was sticking it in there. There's the play on the goal line, right, where Ballard gets hit as he's throwing it to, I believe it was Lawrence Arnold in the back of the end zone. And it's like one of those plays where you're like, man, like Cole knew as that guy was coming after him that he was going to get licked. And he just stood in there was like, I'm going to take this hit. I'm going to try and deliver this ball. And, and he did. And But then in the second half, Kevin, you could see what the adjustment was for K-State. They would bluff on the blitz, right, get guys close to the line of scrimmage. And as soon as their KU was about to snap the ball, boom, eight guys in coverage. And all of a sudden, Ballard struggled, right, when it's having to read through every progression and it's not a quick decision, right? When you have to think and yeah. go through everything, that's when the mental processing speed wasn't there. And of course it's not going to be there. This is a guy that's in his first college game as a starter. Like it'd be sure. impossible to expect him to be like that. But I think that for me, when I look at it, that was the big change where if you ask me what was different in the second half, K state decided we're going to drop eight Cole Ballard is going to have to read through his progressions and make the right decisions. And you saw well, and it- he wasn't able to do it all the time. Yeah. And, and even beyond the, Hey, it's tough to find room back here. There's eight guys cover, covering my receivers and all of that. Mm. He's been playing with a certain internal clock, right? Where he's been getting blitz the entire first half. It's get the ball out. When you get a chance, get the ball out, get the ball out, get the ball out. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're back there five seconds, six seconds. And even quarterbacks who are more comfortable a lot of times, they start looking around like, am I in trouble? Am I about to be sacked? You know, it is, it it throws all sorts of things off with your clock as well as, you know, not being able to deliver the ball, you know, on time and and all of those other things. And I think, you know, that's, uh, I hate to keep, he didn't play. So I hate to keep bringing it back to him, but I think that's one of the areas where Jalen really got special over the course of his career is that when people blitz Jalen, you know, he can stand in there and deliver the ball. But when they send three, Jalen Daniels is outstanding about milking that for, you know, 10 seconds, 12, however long he needs to be back there. If he needs to read a book, you know, whatever he, whatever he wants to do, he's comfortable with it. But that mm-hmm. comes with age and experience. And Ballard doesn't have that yet. Not yet. Right. And so that's the thing, you know, it's one of these games where you need the right game plan. You needed it to work. And you saw that happen for KU. And I think the coaches deserve credit for getting creative with this. And, you know, it's one of those things where K-State made a good adjustment. And it's kind of hard when you're on your third string quarterback to have that, that counter punch. Sure. Right. Where, I think at times this season, we've seen KU have that counter punch when they have a quarterback with experience where you can kind of more adjust on the fly where it felt like for this game, maybe that was a little bit tougher to do. Now, um, let's get to the defense because I think this was one of the games that I think it's so hard to evaluate for me, Kevin, because on one hand, I, I sit here and I'm like, yeah, KU's defense was good enough for KU to win. And I'm also thinking, man, this kind of feels like Oklahoma State too. Where, yeah. or even Texas Tech to some degree, right? The games KU's lost, they need their defense to make big stops and big moments in the fourth quarter, and they couldn't do it. So, I, how do you evaluate this defensive performance? Because for me, I, I struggle with it because I think it's kind of 50 50. 
Yeah, it, it is tough because it's, I guess maybe the best way to put it is imperfect, right? Like they were really, yeah. really good yeah. for stretches. I mean, they, they got some big stops. I, I'm sure, you know, when we're talking about specific plays, you know, that, mm-hmm. that influenced this game, you know, I, I thought Rich Miller, generally speaking, had a pretty good game. I thought, I thought his physicality in the run game was, was necessary. He absolutely jumps a pass from Will Howard in the third quarter, hits him in the hands. And if he brings that in, I get he's a linebacker. You know, I get all of those different things. If he catches that ball and, and, you know, you know, the linebackers go through that drill every single day, every single game, you know, they, they do their little back pedal, their break on the ball and the coach, you know, throws the ball, you know, into their belly, basically he catches that ball. He walks in and Kansas goes up 34 to 16. And at that point, our show Swain isn't talking about, Hey, KU beat K state. It's KU throttled K state. Because I, I think at that point with KU up 18, you know, at that point in the game uh, with K state wavering with KU having all of that confidence, I think Kansas wins that game by double digits and, and I, I, they may even win it going away at that point. And, and so it was a, it was a huge play. You, you hate to be too hard on him. Cause again, he's a linebacker one, <laughs> but you know, also you have to do a lot right to be in position to pick off a pass too. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he made a play, he just didn't make the play. And you know, that, that was one that, that really hurt because they wound up going down and, and getting a score. But that's kind of what you're talking about in that that one play didn't need to end that drive, right? Even when Rich Miller drops the interception, Kansas still had chances to get stops. But, exactly. you know, they allowed K- – and if Kansas winds up forcing K-State to punt there, we're probably not even having this conversation. But they didn't. You know, the, for whatever reason, K-State went down the field and, and they scored. And you look at the the Trevor Wilson muffed punt that I'm sure we're going to get into when we get to special teams. He muffs the punt. Yes, it's a short field. But if the defense gets a stop there, then we're not talking about the muffed punt, really. Yeah. You know, it, it's they had chances to basically bow up in big moments where, hey, if you just gather everybody together, say, okay, that play's over and done with, you get the stop, and Kansas wins this game. They didn't get those stops as well as they played. And again, after the first drive, they held K-State to 4.57 yards per play. That's excellent, especially against an offense like K-State's. But in those key moments when they really needed to push against momentum and, you know, and make that stop anyway, the way you see, you know, and I'm not saying Kansas is this kind of team, but how often do you see that with Georgia, right? Like Georgia has a, you know, a turnover or a guy gets a punt return or something. It's like, man, the defense is in a bad spot. They get a stop anyway because their defense just goes out and shuts the other team down. That was what Kansas needed in those moments. And as well, again, as the defense played, and they played really well. They didn't, you know, they didn't shove aside momentum and get stops, you mm. know, sort of in those big game changing moments. Yeah. And this is, I think, a 
maybe the next step for the defense, right? Where it's like, hey, you, sure. the defense went from, okay, <clears throat> yeah, you had two good drives all game last year, right? Where that's all you're asking, deep, like KU defense. Will the defense get two stops, you know, or a stop a half, you know, to get the offense a chance? This season, it's now at the point where it's like, okay, the defense can put together kind of a good 20 minutes, 25 minutes in a game right i think you've seen that pretty consistently this season where it's about a quarter two quarters of action where the defense looks pretty good and now the next step is can they just be good for four quarters on a consistent basis and this game shows that i think there have been several contests this year that that show that and i still go back to stopping the run kevin because you know through three quarters k-state was averaging 7.5 yards per carry on 20 rushes, like they were running the ball really well. And it was when Will Howard had to throw that K-State's drives were kind of getting out of whack. And K-State's wide receivers are are not much to, to write home about except for Brooks. And Brooks is a really good player. Um, but yeah, I think for the defense here, it's one of those where KU needed the defense to get a big stop at some point in the fourth quarter. And it just felt like they, they didn't have it. I think they really... They had it, and then the guy muffs a punt, and then the yeah. defense has to go out there again. And I think that screwed it. I think that was that was it because mentally you could see the defense was pumped, right, getting off the field, hyping up the crowd, and all of a sudden a snap later you're looking like, what, we got to go back in again? And that's got to be hard mentally too. Sure. Obviously I know Lance Leipold probably would say, well, you got to be mentally stronger, but I don't care who you are. Like that's a tough spot to be in, especially knowing like we just did our job, you know, if you're thinking like Austin Booker, you know, or Rich Miller, like we just did our job and wait, what well, we got to go back out there again. You know, it's a hard spot to be in. Yeah. It's, it's like defending for a full shot clock and defending mm. perfectly and flawlessly and giving up an offensive rebound. And all, yeah, of, that's a sudden, good. That's a good back, and all of a sudden you're back out there, you know, and, and you just had a perfect defensive possession. You just, you know, earned a stop except that, you got to do it all over again. And, and that's tough. You know, what, what we're talking about here, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but like you said, it is the next step, you know, maybe for this team to be able to do it is get that stop in that point where they say, okay, like we're going to head back out there. They shut the other team down and, mm. and the, the muff pun is a non-story at that point. Yep. Totally. Totally. Now, Kevin, this game comes down to, I think for me, three moments. All right. right. Seth Keller having another point after touchdown blocked. Return for the two-point yeah. reversion. This is a four-point game, and that is a three-point swing. Yep. You want to know what else happens late in the game? KU decides to go for it on fourth down because they're down by uh, four. Yep. What happens if this is... You know, and maybe K State doesn't go for the two point conversion, or whatever. Let's say they do. I, I yeah, I, I don't, I don't think they do. So yeah, I think that because they would not have needed to, and so you're probably looking at a 28 all tie when KU has the ball in the red zone, right? And so KU okay, has a chance to kick the field goal for the lead at that point, if not for the block. Yeah, and so that's the first moment, right? You're thinking, okay, that is big. All right, Rich Miller dropping the interception. Like you mentioned, right? KU's up by 18, a three-score game. You know, I have a hard time seeing a, a world in which KU finds a way to 
choke it away. Um, and then you got Trevor Wilson's muff punt, right? Yeah. It results in the game winning touchdown. That's it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And this is back to back years now, Kevin, where KU has lost this game on special teams. Yeah. We said last year, well, right? OJ yeah. Burroughs muffs the punt inside the five. K State scores, takes control of the game. Same exact yeah. deal here. And it's one of those issues, right? Where how many times in this game have special teams hurt KU? And K-State special teams were awful. They were awful. Their punter stinks. He had several terrible punts. Kenny Logan had a great kickoff return. This is the game where if KU does not muff the punt or does not have that block PAT, you're looking at it and saying KU was the better team on special teams, but they made the two biggest mistakes. K-State consistently was not very good, but KU made the two big mistakes. And that's what cost them the game. It's as simple yeah. as that. You know, it, it's funny. You know, I, I'm sure I'll have some people call me out on this, but I predicted that KU would win this game a year ago. And mm, when I, I remember that, and when I predicted that the KU would win this game, a big part of the reason was I watched last year's game and I went back <laughs> and rewatched it. And, and I felt like there wasn't this big gap between the two teams, mm. the gap was in the mistakes, right? Like the gap was what allowed Kansas State, you know, to to kind of win last year's game by multiple scores. And, and those were KU's mistakes. If not for KU's mistakes last year in Manhattan against a K-State team that won the Big 12 title, KU would have been right there in the fourth quarter. Mm. And so the, the gap was in the mistakes. This year, I felt like K-State wasn't going to be as good. I thought KU would be a little bit better. And with the mistakes, they basically played even. And so, you know, if you take those mistakes out, and, and I realize you can't do that if mistakes are part of the game, but I'm saying, you know, at this point, you know, it was almost like a reverse of last year's game in one way, in that Kansas was probably the better team by a few score, but the the mistakes were really were really what separated this thing out. And, and, you know, one other thing on the defense real quick, I know we hopped mm-hmm. into special teams. When we're talking about getting stops after those momentum-changing plays and, and things like that, another one was the holding call on Kalen Durbin. You know, I know they technically gave it to Romello Dotson, but Dotson wasn't even near anybody. So, I mean, it was the call was on Durbin, and it was an awful call. K-State fans would say that, Kobe Bryant should have been flagged earlier in the game on on a deep ball, whatever. But on that play, on fourth down, you get the stop. They throw a late flag. You're back out there again. That's another area where you'd like to see him bow down and get a stop, force a field goal, do something like that. And the more that, that you can do things like that that are, you know, sort of pushing back against the momentum and creating momentum of your own, I think that's when you're going to start to see Kansas winning more of these close games than they have, you know, this year. Exactly. And I think, do you want to go big? Do you have anything else on the game itself? I think, yeah, you look just, at the interception for Ballard, like, you know, the, the, you know, real quick, I, I just, I thought Tory Lachlan was terrific running the option. Um, the touchdown pitch to Devin Neal was a thing of beauty. You know, as as somebody who played in a triple option, you know, system, I, I had like a single tier running down because 
he he ran that thing to to perfection. And what a game from Devin Neal. I don't know that we talked about him or, or talked about him enough, mm. but you know, the number of times he made a guy miss or made yardage after initial contact or things like that. And, and you know, sort of going into big picture and everything else. Devin Neal was always coming to Kansas. Let's let's be be clear about this. But Devin Neal was another guy who picked Kansas when it wasn't sexy to do so. And he came here and he talked as a recruit like, "Hey, we can turn this thing around and I want to be a big part of it." And you look at, at the effort and everything that he had against Kansas State, the three touchdowns, how well he played. The question now is, you know, as you're moving forward and you start looking at this thing big picture, one, how many of these guys who can leave? Because Devin Neal could leave for the NFL after this season. Kobe Bryant Mm -hmm. could leave for the NFL after this season. Some of these guys are going to have those opportunities. Does anybody hop into the portal? Do you have these guys coming back and sort of building that culture that you need to get over the top in these sorts of games? Mm. Or are you in sort of a similar spot next year where you have, you know, guys that are kind of hoping to win rather than knowing that they're going to win? Yeah, I think that, right. Like I said earlier, right. Winning is a habit. And I yeah. think you see it with K basketball where I, and it's a really good comparison, right? Cause look, I, you don't always want to make the, the Oh, well, K basketball, you know, but, it's the perfect example of like consistent winning and the ability to kind of all of a sudden turn games. You're like, wait, what, how, how does KU come back and win this basketball game? Like having that sort of gene, I think in your program is something that is learned over time and it's kind of earned over time. And I think you're seeing this team get there, right? You're yep. seeing flashes of it, right? The way KU saw out the end of the Iowa State game, that's pretty good. You saw the resiliency against Oklahoma, right? Big moments stepping up, and you've also seen where it needs to improve. Sure. You know, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, um, and that is the next step. And I think you're right. Like the continuity within the program next year is really interesting to see. I'm sure we could talk about that later. Um and this just for me is a game where if you want to talk about closing the gap, like I think that two things can be true once, right? Yep. Kansas did not win this game. Kansas is in the results business. They're in the yep. business of winning football games and they did not do that. That can be one thing, right? Okay. You like Lance, I will tell you, right? No moral victories, right? They're past that. Okay. You lost. That's a fact. You can also say, you can look at this game and how uncompetitive it has been for the last 15 years. And you can look at the trenches and where K-State has typically dominated KU. And I think there were periods on Saturday where KU was not dominant, but held their own. Sure. You know, and I think K-State's defensive front is crazy good. And you saw that with KU's really inability to run the ball between the tackles. But you also saw KU control the edges, which I don't think is something they've done traditionally. How many times has Deuce Vaughn bounced runs to the outside and gotten 20 yard gains? And so I think there are still kind of those, um, the signs that this type of game that we saw is much more likely going forward 
than a lot of the games in the game states that we've seen over the last 15 years. And that's exciting, right? I think all anyone ever wants is competitive football. And a part of competitive football is there going to be games where you kind you know, it happens everywhere in college, you know, unless you're Georgia, yeah. where you, you kind of just, you, you, you choke a game, you lose a game, it happens. But the ability now to be in games week in and week out, that's such a huge development for Kansas, especially considering where it was just two years ago, right? Sure. Where I think fans would probably beg for competitive football. And now you got competitive football and we can come on this podcast, Kevin, and talk about two decisions, two plays being the difference and not, Oh boy, you know, KU's got to go hit the portal. They've got to go recruit high school kids. Like KU's got a good team. And I think you just saw that, right? They've got a good team that can compete with teams at the top end of the big 12. And that's encouraging, right? Getting away from results business. Kansas is in the business of winning football games. And they didn't do that. Yeah. And, and I, you and I have talked about this on this pod. It feels like about three, 3,556 times. But I think one of the most encouraging things through this whole building process has been that Lance mm. Leipold has not accepted moral victories, right? And he's been very adamant about that. And we've talked before about last year's TCU game and how mm. big that was, you know, that he came out. You had college game day there. You know, you were playing an undefeated team and everything else. And, and Lance Leipold says after the game, basically like, we had played cleaner, we would have won. And we need to play cleaner to win that sort of game. And and quite frankly, you know, I, I tweeted out before the game last night, I said that Kansas needed to play a clean game. They needed to not to avoid the turnovers and the special teams mistakes that often plague them in this matchup. And mm. you look at it, you have three turnovers and you wind up, you know, committing some just egregious special teams errors. And, and when... When that happens, Kansas State is a really good football team. And if you want to beat K-State, you have to take it from them. They are not going to beat themselves. And so it's really, really frustrating when you get out there and you beat yourself. And I think mm. that that was, the, that was the thing that stood out and the reason that everybody's frustrated, you know, last night and probably still on into this morning and probably will be frustrated for a while is you really did feel like Kansas was the better team on Saturday night, but they made those couple mistakes and, and that's all it takes against a really good team like Kansas state. You just can't make those mistakes. Yep. And here's the thing too, Kevin, right? And this is why I love college football. You get 12 data points a year. It sure. is like the most like under the microscope sport. Oh yeah. It's, it's fewer games in the NFL. Like there's no other sport that I can think of off the top of my head that is like this outside of like going and playing like a world cup, right? Yeah. Where you play 12 games, that is it. And that's all you're guaranteed. And guess what? Kansas has to go play another game next week. And this for me is going to be a really interesting test for where this team is at, right? We hear Lance Leifel talk every single week. Got to go in on Sunday, watch the film, own everything you see on tape get back on the practice field on Monday, ready to improve and get back to work. This is going to be the ultimate test of that, Kevin, because that was, you could see it in the players' faces. You could see it in Lance Lapp on the post-game press conference. Like It's an emotional loss because it was there for Kansas and it didn't happen. Now they got to go on the road and play Cincinnati. A team yep. KU is better than. A team KU should beat, I think, pretty handily. Can they? 
Can they flush this one mentally? Can they respond and get back to it? I think that's going to be a really big test for where this program's culture is at in developing that winning gene. Sure. Being able to get over the tough losses, get back to work, and go beat a team that KU is better than. And if they do yeah. that, that's an encouraging sign. Because think about what's still on the table. I mean, you go eight and four, that's that's a good season. Even even if you could have been better, eight and four is a really good season for where KU's at right now. With chance to add a ninth win in a bowl game, come on now. Like it, I mean, all of that's still there for them. And, and so, like you said, you, you want there to be no hangover. You want them to flush mm. it to say, hey, unfinished business, still one game left. You know, your your point on on the small, you know, sample size is, is so well put, you know, it kind of reminds me of like an NBA, like off the bench, three point shooter. Like maybe he gets four, three pointers a a game, right? Okay. Yeah. If he may, if he makes one of them, he's out of a job. If he makes two of them, he's one of the best role players in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And he's somebody that can make millions and millions of dollars because he's making 50% of his threes. Yeah. It's the it's the difference between one shot. And when you look at, at this KU team and, and you look at college football in general and, and how close these margins are, I mean, you you're literally looking at a potential eight and four season where you could put your head in your hands and say, man, eleven and one was right there. And you could look at it the other way and look at the Oklahoma game and the way that thing ended and and look at some of the other ones and you could say, man, you know. Eight wins, you know, ain't so bad compared to to how it could have gone in, in the other direction too. And, and so, uh, I think that uh, there's such small margins, and, and the key for Kansas and the key for any any college football team really is making up those margins and getting to the point where you know the the ten win season becomes more likely than the six win season because you are making those plays that that swing a game one way or the other. Yeah, what also widens your margin is having one of your two starting quarterbacks available, <laughs> right? Uh, you that's know, true. It, that's true. It, so it's it's just an example. And Lance Leipold said it post game, right? Cave is not the only team that's playing with a third string quarterback in the country right now. It yeah. happens. Quarterback injuries happen, and I think teams are fortunate if you have a starting quarterback play all 12 games and not miss a game because of an injury. So generally well, like I, yeah, Oklahoma yeah. state played about 30 quarterbacks to start the year <laughs> and they're, they're in the big title. Texas had to play Malik Murphy multiple games. You know, uh, Oklahoma had to play Jackson Arnold in the second half yesterday after Dylan Gabriel got hurt and had to play Jackson Arnold, a true freshman quarterback, sound familiar, in the the second half of a tie game against BYU, and they they found a way to win. And so it's it's not the the easiest thing to say or or suggest or whatever, but at the same time, you know, it's it's one of those things. Who is the – was it Yogi Berra who said, you know, don't tell people your problems? Because he he said that half the people don't care and the other half are happy you have them. Sure, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, 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 but but yeah, I mean, it, no, don't tell other people, you know, about how you know you're down to your third string quarterback and everybody else because you know most people don't care, and a lot of the other ones they're happy 
you're you're having your issues. So it is is what it is. Exactly. Exactly. All right. You got anything else on the game? Um, I think Cincinnati next week, right? Like I said, yeah. big test for the mental resiliency of where the team is at. And oh, I guess I can give you one quick recruiting note. Um, sure. I think that was a perfect, not perfect. I think the Oklahoma game is probably closer to perfect, um, but a very good. This is the best recruiting day for Kansas in a long time. Yeah, like the number eleven ranked player in the country was on campus. A bunch of players with multiple Power Five offers from the region were on campus, and yeah. Deshaun Warner, right, KU's four star commit. They're trying to get over the finish line with it. National Signing Day. He was on campus as well, and I think to have a competitive game where the fans are in it. And you can show that you can't compete with teams at the top end of the Big 12, right? Especially considering the new Big 12, where there's no two ways about it. Kansas State will be competing at the top of the new Big 12. And KU is showing that they can compete there and have the game day atmosphere to make it a big time college football day. And I think that's pretty big to show the recruits in attendance that, hey, you know, wins and losses, whatever, but the infrastructure, the environment is there to go and have success. I think that's really important. And also Deshaun Warner has massive hands. He came over and said hello um, before the game and shook his hands. And I was like, Oh my God, he looks the part, Kevin, like watching him stand there on the sideline as other KU players are like running out. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. He fits. Like he he looks. Oh, sure. It's kind of funny. Um, He works for Dave Campbell's Texas football now, but I came up under a guy named Greg powers at scout who, um, was a terrific evaluator, still is, or whatever else. And one of the main things that he looked for with defensive guys was was big hands. He was like, he, he yeah, he said that he said that dudes dudes who have paws they they don't usually fail, you know, on the on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot of the guys that he singled out as saying, hey, watch this guy, he's he's got paws on him. Those guys wound up being pretty good. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's that's a good thing. Obviously, Jaden Woods in, um, yeah. So uh, top a top edge target for twenty twenty five as well as Warner for twenty twenty four. And you look at you know how quickly Kansas's secondary I think got to be really really good. The defensive line this year improved at a rate that I think that was was shocking for most of us, but. Even so, being able to potentially add players like Deshaun Werner, like Jaden Woods to that defensive line group, those are the guys that can kind of turn the tide of games like like what you had on Saturday. And so that's encouraging too. Exactly. And right, I think Lance Apple's talked about this. You know, you need good game day environments to be able to get your foot in the door. Because that's what these game day visits are. You're just getting your foot in the door yeah. with, with some of the kids. Can you make them think to come back for a junior day when they actually get to spend time around the coaching staff, around the facility? Sure. And then, okay, cool. They went for a junior day in January. Hey, you want to come back for spring practice in March or April? Yeah, great, cool. Well, hey, man, now you've seen a game here. Now you've seen a junior day. You've seen us practice. Like, how about an official visit in the summer? And then those official visits are when the big moves are made. So, this is the start of a process that is going to end in June for a lot of these kids, but it's really important that KU has a positive first impression with a lot of these kids. And um, it seems like I'll I'll talk to some guys today, most likely, um, but it seems like just from afar, this was the type of game that would leave a positive impression on other people. Yeah. And I I think when you look at the way that Kansas has done with uh, unofficial visits, 
and official visits where they actually get to spend time with the kids. You know, I, I think that that's where this staff kind of, that's where their bread is buttered. They're great in the relationships business. You know, they're really good at, at building all that out. And so I do think that if they can use this to kind of propel some of these guys to get in for the spring and summer, you know, that's, that's only going to play into their strengths as a recruiting staff even more. Totally. Totally. All right, Kevin, any more thoughts on this game or, Anything else, or we want to get out of here? No, no. Let's uh, let's hit the flush button ourselves, and you know, get uh, get, get on to uh, to Cincinnati. No, it, it's not going to be an easy one for for fans to flush, obviously. But nope. at the same time, you know, these sorts of games do happen, and improvement, as we've said so many different times, is not linear. And and so it's uh, would everybody have liked for it to be and, and for Kansas to get yeah. that win, obviously, but at the same time, you know, I, I do think that they left a pretty, pretty positive impression overall. Yeah, I agree. They covered football. They covered. And they covered. <laughs> they did. That's right. I didn't think about that. I think about that. Great yeah, teams win. Great teams win. cover. Great. Great teams win, Kevin. <laughs> and the cover. Three teams win and cover is is the way that should go. But yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Fog.net podcast. If you're liking what you're hearing, make sure you're leaving us ratings and reviews on your podcast platform of choice. If you like what you see on the YouTube channel, make sure you, you like the video, you're subscribing to the channel, you're dropping comments. All this stuff goes a long way in really helping us reach more people. Um, and I think, you know, as we get into bowl season, right, it's always a, a fun time to talk about some off-season stuff. Obviously, we'll carry that over sure. into December, into the off-season. Um, but one more game. Crazy to think there's only one more game. It's wild. Um, but thanks, as always, for listening. We will talk to you all next Sunday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.